Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, January 13th, 2017. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. We're looking at a very busy weekend in the NHL, uh, but Russ, you wanted to start off with something? Yeah, there was a little discussion I caught the tail end of um, on Twitter. Between Ranger fans, they were talking about Ryan Grob, and some felt like, well, he shouldn't have gone back to Seattle for his, you know, at 20 years old, again with that old story. What could he possibly do there to develop? Mm-hmm. And and so now they're acting as if, well, he's not having the greatest year, so it's stunting his development. And it's like, you know, the Rangers made the right decision. He may have looked okay in camp, but the idea is he's 20 years old. Mm-hmm. So let him go back to the WHL. I mean, he's got 26 points in 33 games. Is it the greatest year? No. Does that mean that he's finished as a draft pick, as a prospect? No. But people act now as if 20 years old, if he's not performing in, in, you know, in juniors, then, then there must be something wrong and he's not going to be good. You know, this is – he might get hot in the second half of the season and you might eat your words. Like, just sort of let, leave it alone. It's one of these things – so then I also saw the usual, well, I wouldn't have taken him. And I'm like, hey, it, it, I wasn't really debating whether it was a good draft pick for the Rangers, right? There was Jeremy Brocko on the board. There was Jonas Siegenthaler. There was Jansen Harskins. There's so many Harkins. There were so many guys. Grop certainly wasn't on my radar for them to pick. Brandon Carlo picked a few picks ahead of him. I'm sure they were looking at him, you know, but again – Daniel Sprong was on my list. He was after, you know, there were definitely guys. And I'm sure I would have been, if, if they would have asked me to make the pick, it would have been between like Sprong and, and Brocco. That's the reality. But the reality is they got Grop, and you can't say, a, you know, that a 2015 draft pick looks bad and looks like the wrong pick and looks like the wrong guy on the board. It's just way too soon for this kind of talk. Yeah. What if he takes till he's 22, 23 to make it to the NHL? And what if he does become a really good NHLer? The idea of him sending him back was because he didn't have a complete game. So do you want him to round out his game anywhere but juniors? I wouldn't. I mean, I'd want him back, and that's the place to do it. Well, I mean, and, and Toronto faced this with a number of players this year, one of them being Adam Brooks, who they drafted as an overager who scored like 150 points with Regina last year. And he was 20 years old when he came to camp and he had a decent camp, but it was like, okay, do we want this guy to be the fourth line center on the Toronto Marlies with, you know, all these veteran sort of like dead, dead money and Colin Greening and Brooks like, and all these guys, it's going to be hard, he's going to be hard pressed to get ice time. Or do we send him back to Regina 
who right now looks like a team that's going to probably be in contention to come out of the Western Hockey League for the Memorial Cup. They're probably the favorite because they're yeah. one of the top-rated teams in the CHL. And he's he's the second leading scorer in the WHL. So, I mean, do you, would you rather have him sitting on the bench in the AHL or fighting for ice time or playing first-line power play, first-line minutes? I mean, I, it, it makes sense to do that rather than have them, you know, maybe graduate a little early to a, a certain level and not play. Right. It just right now, it just seems like this has become a popular point of contention with fans and clubs. And this is a good way to sort of jab it at the team and say, well, they're not doing the right thing. And again, we're talking about somebody who's 20. Right now. I, I, it's, it's, fortuitous that you bring this up because um in writing our rumor buzz column on hockey buzz there were there was there were some um sort of plotting out where teams were going to go especially the canadian teams for the deadline uh from tsn's frank cervelli and one of the teams he was talking about was the vancouver canucks and you saw the canucks uh last night play the flyers uh i want to talk about the game first but then i want to go back to a, a player um, it was a 5-4 – it was overtime or shootout? I know it was 5-4 yeah. shootout. Uh, one, by, one by the Flyers, uh, Claude Giroux with the game-winning goal. But this game was a little light on defense from what you were telling me. A little? Me. <laughs> <laughs> there yeah. was no defense. Yeah. Now, you know, I mean, that can – for the fan, that can be entertaining. For the coach, I'm sure he was less a few hair follicles at the end of the night. Yeah, although there was only one goal in the third period, which was odd considering how many had been scored before. It was just a weird game. I, there was no way either team could lock it down. But I didn't think Steve Mason played bad enough to pull him, and I disagreed with, like, the radio that said, oh, well, it was great that, you know, um, Dave Haxtell had the guts to, to pull him and, and bring in Neuverth. I mean, look, Neuverth did okay. There were plenty of times where they could have scored on him too. He was just fortuitous in the fact that when they brought him in, very quickly into that period, they got a goal that tied it up. That had nothing to do with changing the goalies. So I don't know what they're going to do for the game. I guess I guess they're playing the Bruins coming up. I don't know what they're doing for that one. But the idea is I didn't think that it was that big of a deal that they changed Mason. I don't think that would have mattered. And, and look, nobody changed anybody for Vancouver. Ryan Miller stayed in the entire game. And I'm going to tell you, this is this is one of those games where when we talk about nowadays, well, you got to stand on your head and what I gotta tell you, with no defense, Ryan Miller did everything he could to win that game for his team. He was fantastic. He made so many great saves. I can't even tell you, but when it's shot after shot and breakdown after breakdown, nowadays you can't a goalie cannot do it by himself. But I gotta tell you, somebody's gonna want Ryan Miller. Because he played great. Yeah, and he's always played well against Philadelphia going back to when he played with the Sabres. He's always played well against them. But to, the, to that point, and, it's, and these teams are both in sort of similar circumstances because, I mean, I think it's stupid that Vancouver is going to make a playoff run. I think they should rebuild. But, you know, the ownership or whatever, they're hell-bent on that team comp- competing and contending for a playoff spot. Right. Uh, Jim Benning came out during the week. I think it was a couple days ago, and said we're not trading any draft picks. So, uh, you know, there. But 
that doesn't preclude, preclude them from being a buyer at the deadline if they think they're close. But they're all like Philadelphia, they also have pieces that they may want to sell. I mean, with Philly, it's Strite. With, with uh, the Canucks, it's Miller, it's Burroughs, it's uh, one of their defensemen, Philip Larson. I mean, they're both they're all UFAs. I mean, this is a difficult job for Benning and for Hextall to compete for a playoff spot and sell at the same time. Yeah, I mean, these are. This is what teams go through now because fans almost dictate it because of the way ticket prices are, and that's fine. So there's always going to be teams that are going to say, "Hey, we're in it, but we're rebuilding, but we're doing this, but we're doing whatever." Whatever your plan is, that's fine. Most don't have the uh, the guts to say that we're just rebuilding like the Leafs did. But even now, but even now, the Leafs are you know fakely in the playoff hunt, so they're not going to say, "Well." We're not going to be in it. No team will do that right now, so that's fine. I mean, the the interesting thing, and, and I'll switch it. I, I got anticipated line combinations from Mark Roseman. He put up the sheet for the Ranger game, and Jesper Fast lost eight pounds this week because of the flu, so I don't think he'll be on this, but AV hasn't spoken to him yet, which, again, is just like, come on. I mean, if he's lost eight pounds, are you really putting him in this game like what? What is the sub? You know, yeah, Vino just doesn't want to get a cold. That's why he hasn't talked to him. He doesn't yeah. want to speak to him face to face. I mean, why have a pregame anything with a coach if they're not going to be honest about players playing, right? So okay, so we don't know if Fast is playing, but here are the lines: Kreider, Stepan, Zuccarello, Grabner, Hayes, and Miller, VC, Lindbergh, and Nash. Now I'm going to stop it there because that one does not make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I don't see that one making sense on any level. I don't know why all of a sudden you pushed Rick Nash to the third line. This is what, you know, I, I, I'll get into another subject in a minute because it was a good conversation. But then the fourth line is Buchnevich, Peary, and Fast, and it'll probably be Revick instead of Fast. And then defensive pairings are pretty much the same. McDonough, Shea, Holden, Girardi, Clendenning, Klein, because, you know, Stahl's still out. Right. Um, let me just go back to, to, to make my point about Vancouver because because right. – uh, the, the, and the thing that um, that Cervelli talked about was, you know, the the UFAs. Will they move them out? Um, I think they they're going to try to do that de- delicate balance between you know move one of them out and then try to get somebody back without trying to you know mortgage the future too much. And a guy who's 20 years old, who was a high first round pick. And if you look at look at his statistics in the AHL, and I'm not saying they should go out and trade him because his probably his value is at its absolute lowest right now. But if you're talking about somebody who might be off of their radar and they're willing to move at the deadline to get something that will help them make the playoffs, do you think Benning is going to move Jake Vertanen because he's got seven points in 30 games in the AHL? He doesn't. I mean, he's only 20, but it doesn't seem like he's making any progress. I don't think he's moving him, though. I think it's not all about scoring with Jake Vertanen. It's about playing physical, skating well, creating energy. And so he's had injuries. Maybe that has sort of thrown him off course a little bit. But just like Ryan Grop, he's only 20. If they rushed him, they rushed him. But either way, I don't think they're trading him. So I, I don't think I don't think that's going to happen. I, I really I don't get that feeling. Um, we should mention Henrik Sedin's three points now away from a thousand. So somebody mentioned that to me on Twitter yesterday after we talked about Crosby, and the only difference was is that Crosby played 468 less games. But you know, <laughs> but who's counting? 
<laughs> That's five seasons worth. I know. But Henrik Sabine is still a great player. I mean, not, I'm not kidding. Now, I wonder how far Daniel is behind him because, well, then Hen, wasn't Henrik the one who had, who had, uh, he, for one, the one year he got hurt and Daniel played. Yeah. But I think Henrik's always been the higher point guy. I don't well, know that for certain. He's, He's the he's the center. Daniel's the winger, yeah. so that always yeah. makes sense. Yeah, so so that would make sense. Here here's another thing. So as we talk about when I was talking about Rick Nash on the third line, you know, it's come up recently. Hey, how come Eric Stahl looks so good in Minnesota when he looks so bad with the Rangers? He was a minus seven in the playoffs. And look, did I expect Eric Stahl to have a complete resurgence? No, but I knew when Eric Stahl went to the Rangers. We talked about this when he wasn't put on the top line. I knew there was a problem. I knew that AV was probably asking him to play a complete 200-foot game, which Eric Stahl is not known for, and that definitely threw him off. He never got on the top line for more than, like, a game or two. Right. He was mainly playing on, like, a third line, which he's doing to Nash now. And, like, none of this makes sense. It's like, look, I get that you have a system. Boudreaux is not doing that with Stahl, so clearly he's getting the most out of him, and I give him credit. I mean, maybe the only maybe the factor here with Nash is the fact that he's coming off a groin injury and he doesn't want to lump too much ice time on him in his first game back, and he's maybe easing him in. I mean, if he's going to keep him on the third line for game after game after game, then I think that's a disservice to, to Nash. But Yeah, I just don't even know if it's good for him now just simply because you could have him on the second line and just limit his minutes. It doesn't matter where you put him. I think you should be putting him with players that, you know, he is used to playing with VC. But Lindbergh, I don't, he's not that used to playing with Oscar Lindbergh. I don't know if, the, you know, that's the, the problem is I don't think there's going to be much magic there. And that's where, you know, you would hope for, look, in, in this game, and we could preview this game anytime you want, the Leafs are, are a good, fast team in the sense that they're going to put a lot of pressure on the Rangers' defense in the offensive zone. The Rangers will do the same to the Leafs, and the Leafs' defense might be overmatched for that. But you've now basically, I would say, eliminated a lot of Rick, what Rick Nash could do to the Leafs by putting them on the third line. I think, I think in a way, you've helped the Leafs by, by doing that. Yeah, it all depends on what matchups Babcock wants. You know, I, I mean, we can talk about this right now, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're probably going to try to match up Cod, the Kadri line against Derek Stepan's line, you know, uh, you know, or the line, you know, uh, I mean, against whatever they deem as the best offensive line for, yeah. for the Rangers. Um, now, strangely enough, and I wrote about this. Well, it's going to be it, it's going to be Stepan Zuccarello. Yeah, you know that's their top line right now. It'll be Kamarov and Kreider. You know, yeah, Kamarov, Kadri, and Nylander against that line, which you know the ma- the the matchup that's uh, that you know Nylander against one of those guys. You know he's very very good offensively, but defensively he's still not a mature player. And I, I, it was funny because Kreider uh, and Kadri will be what you want to watch because Kadri will be doing everything he can to get Kreider off his game, yeah. and and Kreider is a very physical player, and so I expect to see some fireworks between the two. Well, and the funny thing is, both of these teams are coming off the five day bye week. Right. Um, and it, strangely enough, everybody, you know, we, we talked about this earlier in the week about the, the Leafs goaltending situation. And, you know, they traded Enroth and they sent Bebo down. And they bring in Curtis McElhaney. And Babcock yesterday said, well, we're going to play McElhaney one of the two games in the weekend. But he said that the last two back to backs and played Anderson both games. 
this time, you know, they play at Madison Square Garden tonight and in Ottawa tomorrow. That's a division game. That's, you know, it's I mean, do I think that the that the Senators are the easier of the two opponents? Probably, but it's strange that they're going to use the backup in the second of back-to-back against the division opponent. I would have thought if they were going to split it, they would have gone with McElhaney, who's played against the Rangers a bunch of times, you know, in his first game and just get it out of the way and give, you know, give the, give Anderson that extra day of rest now rather than, you know, I mean, it's wow. a little, little, little strange. I mean, I can't. I'm going for the bright lights effect. It's MSG. It's New York. They're putting their best in. Babcock wants to, you know, go with this playoff charge. So you have to beat the Rangers now to prove to everybody, including me, that yeah. you're on this playoff charge. If, if you lose this game, then, you know, well, they, they, tune, probably. they have the most games remaining in the NHL right now. They're the only, them and the Islanders are the only teams that are under that are under 40. So yeah. they've got like one to four games in hand on everybody in the league right now. Um, but they'll use those games up pretty quickly as other teams get their bye weeks, and they, they I think they play four or five times this week. Yeah, and, and in that bye week, the Leafs have fallen four points behind Ottawa. Florida's passed them. Tampa's tied them. They're six points behind Philadelphia. So you've got all these teams that have, have not been stopping, have gained points. Now they got to sort of return serve here and, 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 and answer that. And if they lose – one game on the weekend, they lose two games on the weekend, then they they sort of fall behind. So it, 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 yeah. should, it should be interesting to see uh, how that young team in Toronto handles it. Now, moving on to a couple other games, uh, interesting, and in, in, I watched a little bit of this game last night. The the Senators beat the Penguins 4-1. Uh, to one. Uh, Now, the Penguins, I, I, they'd, I played the night before, and I cannot remember who they had played against. Let me just see. Are they – um, oh, the Capitals. They played. There was. They had, That's right. It was a big NBC game. Yeah, they played the Capitals on. So I mean, <coughs> and they lost. And they lost to the Capitals mm-hmm. uh, five to two. So uh, Matt Murray's first start, and uh, Senators win four to one. And Mike Sullivan gets booted in in the third period for I, I guess abu- verbal abuse of an official. I mean, you know, right now this team they're making the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're well positioned, mm-hmm. but the go- now you know now the goaltending stuff comes back. Now that both of them are healthy, uh, in terms of do they trade Flurry? Do they not trade Flurry? And you look at that lineup though. The forwards are great, but you know Latang's been in and out. Uh, Derek Pou- Derek Pouliot was playing with the playing with Scranton Wilkesburg against the Marlies, so he hasn't grabbed the job. Their defense was no name last year, but got them to win a Stanley Cup. This year, I, you know, I don't get that that uh, that feeling out of that no name defense, Russ. No, but they also have Danny uh, David Warsawski in the AHL one Player of the Week, and he's ripping it up offensively. At some point, I think he'll get he'll get back up. He hasn't been back up yet, but I think they're probably waiting until they see the best out of him and they'll put him back up. I think they're giving Pouillot as much play as they can before they finally say maybe he's just not what we thought he would be. I mean, I, I'm, I'm starting to get that expansion draft vibe. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a guy, okay, if we have to, you know, because you're going you're gonna to protect Latang, you're going to protect Mata, you're probably going to protect, oh, let's see. Just to look at their look at their roster right now. You're going to protect Latang, Mata, 
uh, and Ian Cole. You're probably right. not, you know, probably not going to protect Trevor Daly because since he's a UFA, maybe you protect Justin Schultz. But if you, yeah. if you, so if you protect Schultz or Cole, you're leaving Pouliot exposed. And yeah. I, you know, unfortunately, that's a seventh overall pick who just has never really come through. And yeah. I, you know. Yeah, it's just the way it is. I mean, it does happen. He is playing, but he's just not the offensive defenseman they thought he was. That's all. Now, uh, when we mentioned Stahl uh, earlier, uh, the Wild opened up a can of whoop-ass on the Montreal Canadiens. Yes, they did. Uh, now, the Canadiens had won, again, with this the schedule, they had won in Winnipeg on Wednesday. They had won 7-4 against the uh, the Jets, they come into Minnesota, second of back-to-back, play Price. Now, I think they played Montoya against the uh, against the Jets. And uh, it was 4 nothing after 2. And, you know, the controversy was, at least, I, you know, I'm, I'm watching this game, and after the game, Brian Boucher, one of the commentators from NBCSN, was saying he couldn't believe how uh, that Terrian didn't yank Carey Price. But – Take into consideration what has happened this year. The hubbub about pulling, uh, not pulling Montoya in that 10-1 game against Columbus, and then the stink eye that Carey Price gave Terrian when he pulled him in the middle of the game, uh, came out this morning. That Terrian went to him and says, "Do you want, you know, do you want to be pulled?" And he said, "No, let me stay in." So okay. this, you know, it. He went to him, he offered it, you know, and, and he said no. So there should be no problem here. So I think sometimes we create controversies out of yes. nothing. Yeah, I, I will give Terry credit. He has been communicating well with the goalies, and so we in the media shouldn't try and make it worse. I, I give Terry credit for that. Um, now, a couple other notable things last night. Uh, Taylor Hall makes his return to Edmonton, you know, the, the infamous Taylor Hall, Adam Larson deal from the, uh, from the summer. First time Taylor Hall, first overall pick goes back to Edmonton, <coughs> excuse me. And um, it was a three, two overtime victory for the Oilers, but the uh, return was marked by an elbow and not an errant elbow, a purposeful elbow from Taylor Hall to the B, to the uh, bugle of Zach Cassian and Cassian was not too pleased. He went after Hall, and Hall sort of turtled because he's not a fighter. But right. you know, it's yeah. I, I still, you know, not, not I'm not going out on a limb here. Taylor Hall's still not happy that he got traded. No, it's not a good split. That, but they've lost both games in overtime, right? So you kind of feel bad for for Taylor Hall has not been able to really, you know, get any revenge out of it. Um, look, Zach Cassian gets under everybody's skin, so this is something that shouldn't be a shock and you don't want Taylor Hall to fight really. So, Hey, it's one of those things, you know, when guys get traded, sometimes it's, it's not a good breakup and this wasn't. Yeah. Um, I just want to look at, and uh, look at a couple of the teams that I think are going to be involved at the trade deadline. We had a minor deal today and we'll just talk about that for a second. Yeah. Um, Cody McLeod, in, I guess you could call him one of the few enforcers left in the league, uh, traded from the Colorado Avalanche to the uh, Nashville Predators for Felix Girard. Don't know much about him. I know he's a – He's know, a low-level prospect that, you know, is a decent skater, but yeah. he, he's not going to be a big impact guy. He's just a depth guy. Yeah, had a year – had had uh, this was the final year of his contract. I think it was his entry level and yeah. you know, RFA at the end of the year. So essentially it was a salary dump, the first of many yes. – that are going to happen with the Avalanche. 
Uh, McLeod was under contract for another year, making about $1.3 million, and the, and, uh, the Avalanche retained salary. And that's – okay, they, they were not retaining salary on anybody else, so – you know, you can do that for three players. It's surprising that they that they used that on a guy like Cody McLeod because that's not a big salary. You, no, but I think those are very strategic. You know, you use those only when you absolutely have to. Well, I think I think the issue is is that they felt the roster spot was more valuable than the player, and so right now that was a way for them to get somebody else in on you know the team right now and get rid of a dead spot lose some cash shed some salary so i i think it's a good move i you know again not a big deal yeah they're that he's the first one they're retaining funds on they they had a buyout of brad stewart but in terms of retaining salary that's the first so they have they can do that for two more players and one of the guys i think they will do that on is jerome ginla because Jerome Ginla, I'm sure there's a, a contending team that would want to bring him in as a support player, but we're talking $5.3 million. Yeah, so they're going to have to retain some money to get like a draft pick and maybe like a, a really good prospect. Yeah, and, and maybe a guy like John Mitchell or a Fetter Tootin who's making $2 million bucks. I mean, I don't know what the market for Fetter Tootin is going to be, but I, the thing is, I, you know, right now, I mean, there will be there will be a rental market for a defenseman, and then there will be a market where teams are trying to get young defensemen out of yeah. out of teams, and that's what I want to talk about here. But I mean, I, I think I think a guy like Feder Tutin could be could be moved. Could sure, be moved. I mean, but and I've watched him this year. He could still play a little bit. He plays a little defense. He skates well enough. You know, if you feel like you're a team that's going to make a deep run, he is a good extra roster guy. Yeah. Now. Okay, um, some of the contending teams, and we, you know, right now we're at the halfway mark, and you, a lot of people are doing their analysis of teams and what they need and wh who they're going to go and get. And there's been a lot of talk, and I'll just go through a few teams here. Like, say for example, the Montreal Canadiens. The, you know, the, uh, Elliot Friedman reported last week that uh, you know Th Thomas Placanitz. They were, you know, if when Galchenyuk comes back, if Placanitz doesn't start to step it up offensively, they may may look to deal him. I'm thinking, good luck with that with his salary. I think it's six million bucks. I don't know yeah. who, who's going to take him, but you know that they may look to deal him. But they're also looking for a center. They're also looking for a top four defenseman. They're you know they're looking for what everybody else is looking for, but. Russ, when you look at that team, if I'm an opposing general manager and I'm, say, John Chaika from the Arizona Coyotes and I've got Martin Hansel and they want Martin Hansel, what do you think the first two names I'm saying? One is Juleson and the other one is Sergachev. But I don't think Bergevin is going to trade those guys. So where is there a deal going to be made? I don't know if there's a deal that's going to be made. I think this is a situation where they're going to end up making a very minor deal or signing someone on the scrap heap. Fleischman's still out there. Maybe bring him in and give him a look. I mean, that's – I don't think they could do much more than that without losing some big talent like that, and I don't think they could afford to lose that. So, you know, maybe you know, maybe someone's in, interested in Zachary Cowley. They don't seem to be interested in him. So maybe, you yeah. know, they could get some, you know, depth player for him yeah, so some team could shed some salary at some point. It seems that their, you know, their future goaltender prospect, the one they're interested in developing now, is Charlie Lindgren, and not, and yeah. not, I mean, if you Cali's in the ECHL and played in the Spangler Cup, so yeah. 
Um, now, and, and similar situation with Boston. I mean, Boston may be looking to add a, a defenseman to, to help them now, maybe looking for forward help. I and mean, we've heard the Landeskog rumors. Yeah. But again, anybody calling Don Sweeney, the first two names are going to be McAvoy and Carlo. And he's. Yeah, but it won't, they'll get off of that. Like they, they have enough guys where. Again, they have so many. I mean, we've been through the list all these days, but at, at the end of the day, if they feel like they need a defenseman, they probably could trade Ryan Spooner and get a depth. A team, you know, a team can get a depth. You know, they can get a depth defenseman from a team. Right. Now, is that better than like Rob O'Gara? Maybe, maybe, and maybe that's all they they need to do. I don't think it's going to be any kind of big earth shattering trade. I just. I don't get the feeling with a lot of these teams it's going to be any kind of earth. I don't think we're even going to see earth-shattering trades. I think we're going to see some last-minute salary dumps because teams are going to realize they're out of it and they're going to take you know what they can get. But guys like Bishop, Bishop's going to stay. He's not. He's not. I don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, maybe we see Ryan Miller get traded. Maybe. I mean, but there's not going to be a lot. Well. Uh, I- is this a concern for the NHL? Do they want teams to have flexibility to make trades? Because no, I don't think I, I don't think they care. I mean, I don't think they care if Hockey Buzz does well on trade deadline day. I don't think they care uh, about the they, trading they, deadline. They, they do. They they would have to care if two of the rights holders, TSN and Sportsnet, who build their network around one day. I don't think it matters. I think what matters is is that you have X amount of teams that are still in it. So yeah. you're selling tickets because the NHL is a gate-driven business, sure. and, and that's so they're relying on that. And I think that is more important to them than everything else. And right now, what? There's only like five teams that you would say that aren't in it. I'd say three. Well, I'd say three. Right. Three. So right, right now, Colorado, Arizona, and maybe the Islanders. Yeah. Uh, and that, and you know, if the Islanders win three games in a row, they're they're right back into it. But. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, the, the, I mentioned Landeskog. I mean, there had been some rumors out there regarding the LA Kings and Landeskog, and I'm like, I look at the LA Kings situation, and I don't know where, unless they're trading one of their defensemen. Which right, I, that's the only place I could see it because they do have depth in that position. Where I mean, do, 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 is Braden McNabb going to replace Muzzin or uh, they've been able to do it before? I mean, he's not going to replace Muzzin, but but they've been able to. Rotate guys in and out of that defense core and get and get through it. Again, when push comes to shove, I don't think they're doing that much. I don't. I think they're going to rely on guys like Carter and Gabrick to drive the bus when Quick comes back. And I think they're going to play it very tight to the vest with the way Sutter will like to play a defensive system. And I don't think I don't think they're going to do that much to upgrade. I think they'll be looking for a deal for teams that just want to move guys because they want to save some salary and then maybe there'll be a deal to be made, but they can't take on that much salary either. Well, I mean, it, it's intriguing. And I look at the LA Kings roster and I, and I, and just trying to like formulate what, what could be the potential framework of a deal. If they were going to go after a Landeskog, if you look at their roster right now, I mean, Dustin Brown is, I think an overpaid player right now, you know, Gabarik, I think is on, you know, he's got maybe a year or two left. Uh, he, you know, he, he's the de- injury wise. I think he's declining. Maybe he does what you were saying he will do and show up in the playoffs, mm-hmm. do like a Claude Lemieux. But I look at their, I look at their situation right now and Tyler Toffoli, who's a very good player 
signed a two-year bridge deal. He's making three and a quarter million dollars. He's he's an RFA at the end of this year. And this could be a Brandon Sod type of situation where they know that they can't sign with 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 Dowdy making the money that he's making, with with Quick making the money he's making, and now Kopitar with the 10 million plus uh contract that he's making. How can you pay to Foley? They're in cap jail right now as it is. I'll do a bridge deal. Because I think Gabrick's deal is up in a couple of years. No, no, that he signed a long extension. And the thing is, he's kind of long extension. How many years? Um, he's got four more years at four point seven five million. So, and and Toffoli already did the bridge deal. He already cut did them a favor. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, he's can. I mean, at at a, at a certain point, his selfishness kicks in. He's like, I'm gonna want. I want to get paid. Yeah, but he doesn't have control, so it doesn't matter. I no. mean, the Kings, the Kings will do something to shed some salary. In the next couple of years, but to get the Toffoli problem under control, they probably will just sign a bridge deal. I don't think they're going to be able to do anything else. I think they have very loyal players, the same as the Rangers, and the Rangers have been able to get guys to do the bridge deals and then still get them under contract a few years later. A lot can happen in a couple of years that we don't foresee, injuries, whatever, buyouts. So I, I'm not worried about it for them. Yeah, I mean – I mean, we know that the mo the motivation might be there to stay in L.A. because if you can stay in L.A., yeah. you know, it's like Kucherov wanting to stay in Tampa. It's like you know, you want to be you want to be in the in, in Winnipeg in in January. No, you'd rather be in Tampa Bay. But you got to remember too, Toffoli's only got twenty points this year. He doesn't have fifty eight like he did last year. He's not on pace for that. He only has eight goals. He's not on pace for thirty one goals. So he doesn't have much bargaining power at all. Yeah, I mean that, that's true, but I'm 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 just looking at the situation where I think even if he has an an okay year, he's built up enough of a resume that you know how these arbitrations work though. He's a young player; he's only 24. He the only thing he could say is he's had you know double digit goal years every year, but it's 12, 23, 31, and then eight. Yeah, that's not enough to really be able to to drive the bus there. Now another interesting team is Anaheim, and I, I, I keep going back to them because. Whoops! Oh, hello. Yeah. Um, Hold that thought. I'm going to take her out. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, the the Anaheim Ducks right now are leading the Pacific Division with 54 points. Um, they've scored 115 goals. That was before they scored. Uh, they won four to one last night against Colorado. They're they're on they're on the top at the top of the division. They're going to make the playoffs. They've got their goaltending in place with with Gibson. Their defense is stacked. I mean, to the point that they have excess defensemen that they can potentially move somebody out. But scoring wise, it's all Getzloff, Perry, and to a lesser extent Kessler, and then Silverberg. They really do need more scoring, and and that's the thing. I I think I think Anaheim is situated better than most in terms of they need to add one more scorer, and they've got what a lot of teams are looking for. And in a way they can pick and choose who mm -hmm. they want. If they, you know, like, okay, right now, and just strictly the expansion situation, I think they're going to end up buying out Kevin Bieksa because he's got a no move clause. So, right. Right, so if they protect, if they go and protect uh, seven, three and one, they're going to expose a Dupre, a Josh Manson in, in, in expansion I don't think they want to lose. I don't him. think they care about exposing Dupre. Oh, I don't. Dupre's been in, Dupre's been injured, so right. probably not. But Manson's only 24, 25. They don't years care old. about exposing Manson. I don't think either. You don't think so? I mean, no. I mean, I mean, I know so many terrific. You're talking about 
Am I worried about Manson when there's Theodore and Montour and other guys? No. Larson and, yeah. yeah. I mean, but Gabriel Carlson, right? Well, I mean, do I think they actually would Gabriel Carlson. Larson is the other guy. Yeah, Carlson's on. Do I think they would rather get something for one of these guys rather than losing them for nothing in expansion? I, that's, see, that's where I'm going. I think, I think the, you know, they're, gonna ha they're going to have to give up something to get that offensive piece that they really need to maybe have a chance to come out of the, come out of the West. And if they do that, they, it probably comes at the cost of one of the defensemen, but not one of those, not, not Fowler, not Batten, and not Lindholm. They, they might have to sacrifice – a Montour or or Theodore, and, it, and I think they they probably will. Yeah. I think that's that's a possibility, and and they'll look for someone like of, you know, a Ryan Spooler Spooner caliber or better, and and that'll be the kind of deal that gets struck up, or maybe that'll be the deal that they do for a Ginla. You know, like it'll be something like that. Now, one last team here, St. Louis. They look like I mean, right now. They're only two points ahead of Nashville for third place in the, in the Central. We've got a half a season here, so it's not critical. But um, they're not doing as well as a lot of people expected. They've had some injuries. But, again, the question that continues to linger there is the goaltending. And there are there will be goaltenders out there at the deadline. But I yeah, don't they're not going to make a move on goalie. They're not. I mean, see, that, that's the thing. That, that's the thing. It's like, okay, I mean – I know that you traded assets to get Miller. That didn't help. Then you went with Elliott and, and Allen, and you tried to get through that way. That didn't work. Now you've given Allen the job, and it's not working. I mean, you're not going to go back to Miller again. You you know, you're not going to trade for Ben Bishop, who started in your organization. Probably, you know. So, I mean, they, there are there are places they can go for a goaltender, but really, it's, it seems like they're they're spinning their wheels there, Russ. I don't think they're looking at it that way. I think they're just looking at it like let's just get in the playoffs. When they get in the playoffs, they know they have a certain kind of team and they're going to just grind it out with everybody else. Hitchcock is, you know, basically, do I think it's his last season in St. Louis? Yes. Do I think it's his last season in hockey? No. And so I, I think they're just going to ride it out with, with Allen here and they're not going to do anything crazy. They're not going to try and supplant him unless there's an injury. Because clearly, they, you know, they've had plenty of time to use Jordan Bennington, and they haven't. So that, that's not in the plans for Ken Hitchcock, at least. Right. Now, it could be for the next coach. And so I don't think they're going to make a move for, for a goalie. I think it's staying exactly the same. Well, Elliot Friedman said something interesting about Dallas uh, on one of his inter, uh, Sportsnet radio hits this morning. And if you think about it, I think he's, I think he's right on target. Jim Nill, you know, we all look at the Dallas situation. We know that the goaltending is below average, especially for the almost $11 million they're paying them. Mm -hmm. But he looks at his core group. He looks at the young guys that they have on the blue line that are developing. He's got, you know, Sagan and Ben who are in their 20s. He's got young defensemen. He's got Klingberg. He's not under a lot of pressure to, like, win absolutely now you know go completely balls out and and make make a trade make go and get ryan miller try to win the stanley cup now because he's got time and those goaltenders they have another year left in their contract now maybe in the summer they buy out one of them so they create some room to go out and get ben mm -hmm. or go out and get somebody else but there there's no there's no real impetus right now to go and make a drastic move to bring in the goaltender or make that, you know, to bring in somebody else. They, in a way, could be even be sellers. They could trade Patrick Sharp at the deadline, you know, that or, or do that. Awesome. Yeah, so I don't think they're going to do 
do that, although the possibility exists, and I, and I heard that they you know want to upgrade the goaltending for Lindy. To me, I think they need to get rid of Lindy. I think after this year, this will be the sign that they need to go in a different direction with Lindy and then still upgrade the goaltending, but then maybe call Valerie Shushkin and say, hey, would you like to come back? We've got a different coach now because that has hurt him. Having him not there, we don't talk about it. Nobody talks about it. Yeah. But that's a big body who could skate, who has offensive potential, who basically left the team. Yeah, and you know we've gone out, we've gone over that point before. Yeah. I, thing is though, if they don't go out and get the goaltender for Lindy now, maybe it's maybe it's Nil saying we'll go out and get you that goaltender next year and we'll give you one more year. I mean, if that's yeah. you know, I'm but the, you know there there are some changes that you know they they you know Sharp is on an expiring contract. You know, he I, could you see him go back to Chicago? It's like one of this one of, that that's like you know every time I see like like Lad last year. I could see Sharp, you know, they're looking for a top six forward. If Dallas has, you know, accepted the fact that they're not in the race. And, you know, right now I think Ben is out with an injury, but they're not that far out of him. But if they fall out and and then all of a sudden Sharp becomes available, at least that's a known commodity to Stan Bowman that that he knows he will work in that room. Maybe that's a way, maybe that's a direction that Chicago goes back to. Yeah, but here's the thing. If you lose the coach in the offseason, mm-hmm. you could probably get Nishushkin back, who has 16 points in 26 games. Like that's, you know, he's almost got 10 goals already. Last year, he only had nine all last year. He's 21 years old, yeah. you know, so you're getting a big body back. Then you can make a change with goaltending. Like that's to me more of a change that you can make than just getting Lindy a goalie and seeing where that goes this year. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't have much hope for that. I have more hope that. If you change the coaching, you can bring one of your better prospects back yeah. and get him playing with whatever new coach there is. Then your your lineup has gotten better. You added depth. You maybe lose Patrick Sharp. That's fine because he's lost a step anyhow. Right. And then you can still change the goaltending and be a contending team. I think that, to me, is the right way that I would go. And if you have a young, progressive coach who can work with young players, you yeah. know, maybe – you know, you bring Nakushkin back, maybe a guy like Gurianov comes up from the AHL. Maybe he's Correct. ready to play in the NHL. And then you've got a couple young or a couple young Russian players that yep. you can give you secondary scoring behind Sagan and Ben. I mean, it's possible. Yeah, I think that's the hope. I mean, Gurianov was one of the better guys in the world juniors. I like that plan better. That plan will never happen under Lindy. No, no, it won't. But, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I mean, Lindy's been there, I think, three years. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's well, enough. At the, at the end of the day, what is the difference between Lindy Ruff and Jeff Fisher? I mean, Jeff Fisher finally did lose his job. Yeah. But what is really the difference? I mean, you you could say Lindy has more wins. You know, he maybe got a little further. But but what really is the difference? So you think the two-year extension, if Lindy Ruff gets one right before the end of the season, that's the death knell for him? Yes. Uh, God. Do you, do you, okay, well, just to end the show, do you do you care to make any NFL predictions? Uh, well, I'm going to go for Green Bay over Dallas. That's my biggest upset, even though – is that an upset? I don't know. Aaron Rodgers is playing better than any quarterback in football, and I don't know if I trust the young talent in in Dallas. Even though they have a great offensive line, I get it, but I don't think – I, I don't see. I don't dislike either team, so I, I'm just going to watch. The, all I know is that the, they they delayed the st- they're going to delay the start of the Pittsburgh Kansas City game because of apparently some uh, freezing rainstorm in Missouri. So that's yeah. Gonna- all right, let's talk about that for one second. 
this used to be a league that played under any circumstances. Yeah. And then, you know, one year they decided we can't play when it's a potential for lightning anymore because obviously lawyers got involved, insurance policy. So now they can't do that. Now they can't play in freezing rain? Are you kidding me? This is football. Like, Hey, they, play, they played in rain in Bakersfield in, in an AHL outdoor game, which I still – we didn't talk about this week. I don't no. know how the – how the hell did they continue that game? How did they play that game? It, I guess it said on the ticket, rain or shine. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> – But come on. I mean, I there, there was crazy. video of somebody taking a slap shot from his own zone, and it was like a like a, like a waterfall came up. Yeah, yeah it's, it's crazy. But they got through it, and so whatever. I mean, they did. The end of the day, though, with, with, with the NFL, my other – and I'm only going – one more upset. I think Kansas City is going to beat Pittsburgh. I think Roethlisberger, he walked in the press conference with a boot on. Yeah. He's going to be immobile. I like the Kansas City defense. I think Andy Reid's done a really good job there. I know he was much maligned here in Philly, and that's fine. But he's got a good team there. He's got a quarterback that knows what exactly what to do, just enough to win a game. And they've got great special teams. And Eric Berry is one of the best guys in, in a defensive backfield in all of football. And I think at the end of the day, if Roethlisberger can't move out of the pocket, because that's his big gift, if he is like, you know, fumbling, lumbering, they're going to have a problem. Well, I'll say this. If Giselle Bungin was quarterbacking the New England Patriots, they would beat the Houston Texans. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even talking about that game. There's no point in even discussing that game. So It won't be a game. Okay. Well, thanks, Russ. Um, have, I hope everybody has a happy weekend. Uh, we'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast. For Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching, and remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.